Hello and welcome to Yagmore Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. This is episode 46, and winter is coming. I'm Andy, and joined by the regular co-hosts of George and Zach. just like to take a serious moment now and apologize for uh, anyone who was offended last week when Zach slipped a penis into the podcast. Um, very unprofessional. We're very sorry for that. But we have got um, a guest with us this week. That's Will. That's Go314. And he's here to talk about Goblin Welder and his articles on Pure MTGO and how he's been having fun with shot-based strategies in the format. So we're going to have a look at the daily event that fired first off, and we touched on that briefly last week. Um, Excorpio went 4-0, and and George is going to lead us in and explain why the deck managed to get an extra prize for Mr. Excorpio. Yeah, so last week, you know, Excorpio, the current... Uh, point leader in the player of the year race managed to 4-0 with four Library of Alexandrias. And this has been a challenge set forth by Endless Nameless for, I don't know, like eight months, nine months. And he, he won the foil time vault that Endless was offering up with a pretty awesome deck. And uh, if you look, if you look at his main deck, it's slightly different than the last time he played it. He has an old man of the sea in the main deck. And he still has Vampiric Tutor in the sideboard. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, uh, you'd think the, the Vampiric Tutor is, uh, especially with a lot of the, you know, singleton, you know, a couple of singletons in there that uh, he's got would be, uh, would be main, but I don't know. Anyway, it's really cool that he managed to, uh, to take down the challenge and, uh, Win, win that full time vault that's been eluding the community for so, so long. Um, last week in the podcast, we uh, talked about the next challenge, how we would follow up on that. and uh, we all, I think we all agreed that a challenge would be good, and uh, we talked about what card would be the best to name next and, and what prize everyone would like to see. So we kind of brainstormed a little bit on the cast, and Zach went away and put up a poll, and all week the community's been voting. We had a choice between Mind's Desire, Praetor's Grasp, Blood Braid Elf, Dark Depths, Liliana of the Veil, and Laboratory Maniac. And the card that the community would like to see run as a 4 of to a 4 and 0 finish in a daily event is Laboratory Maniac. So guys, what do you think? How, uh, how can Laboratory Maniac be abused? Um, well, the way that I was trying to abuse it when... I guess my vote is the one that got it onto the list of cards, but... I've been doing it with Divining Witch and Aether Vial. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the best possible combo, I mean, it's restricted, but Demonic Consultation in theory is the best. I mean, you can't really beat that. Four mana win condition if you can do both in a turn. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a doable challenge, and I have to admit, like, this one kind of made me sad a little bit because as far as as far as difficulty to attain I think this one's probably the easiest out of the choices that we had uh, I know if I pick this if I put out six choices and like I picked this one out of those six I would kind of feel like it was a cop out but uh, I mean if people want to see it they they definitely want to see it so we'll go with it um, I was kind of hoping it was going to be something that like uh, Liliana of the, of the Veil, for instance, I think that came in second place, and I think that would have been sweet. But uh, yeah, so. well, well, if it goes by quickly, if someone attains the four zero very fast, we can always move on right to the next one. Definitely, definitely. I think the good thing about the the Laboratory Maniac as well is that it's a really cheap card in the client at the moment. You can easily pick up four copies of it for under a ticket, 
Whereas if we'd gone for Liliana of the Veil, being such a a niche card, it's not a card that many classic players would have potentially wanted to go and pick up and running at 20 tickets each. I think maybe there would be other cards that people in the classic community would want to pick up. So I think having a card that that is cheap is and easily accessible at a reasonable cost is actually a bonus for the challenge. Um, earlier, Andy had mentioned an addendum when we were talking before we started the podcast that what about uh, Oath of Druids with Lab Maniac? You know, running four, you pretty much can't run Oath of Druids. So would you guys also consider an Oath of Druids build where Laboratory Maniac is the only win condition going 4-0? Well, I'd be happy with that, but yeah, I mean, you got you kind of got to think about that because you set a precedent when you do that. It's like, hey, you let us do it for this one, and it was you know a special case. Why can't we do it for this one? And somebody just does it, and then you know it, it becomes a point of contention. Um, do the, the the I guess the big thing for me is if that was literally the only win condition like that, and say a Jace. But if you have a sideboard that transforms into Terrastrodons and uh, Elish Norn and stuff, it's not as good for me. I mean, does that really... No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, the winning Oro list would only be able to have, like, a Laboratory Maniac as the creature win condition. I would be all right with the Ixlid Jailers in the sideboard, because you're not, you know, winning the game with them. You're just stopping Dredge from winning. What, what about if we say that it's for the Barge Maniacs and we run, run out the challenge and we see what kind of response we get? And if in, say, a couple of months' time it's uh, looking unlikely that anyone's going to achieve that, then we maybe look at tweaking it and opening it up to a potential ice build. That sounds good, too. Yeah, that's fair. So is this kind of like a 4x4 four four challenge? You have to have four in the deck and do 4-0? Yes. Yep. Okay. I, I, you know, that's pretty easy in straight line. Andy, what were the uh, prizes we were thinking about there? Yeah, so there was the choice of prizes as well. Um, there were a couple of uh, individual cards, and there was also some uh, credits to uh, a bot chain. So I'll just run through what the prizes were and, and tell you what was decided upon. So we had uh, a misdirection, um, a foil flooded strand, a foil brainstorm, a tropical island or a similarly costed dual land, or 20 credits on ebots. And the classic community has voted and would like to see the prize be 20 credits on eBots. Um, eBots is a, a bot chain which sells foil and non-foil uh, standard cards, um, but you get 20 credits to go and spend how you like. So there we go. Take four Lab Maniacs, go 4-0, and you'll get 20 credits on, on eBots. Challenge is laid down to the community, and we'll have a time limit, I guess, of by the end of March. Oh, and just like with the Library of Alexandria's, they all four must be in your main deck. Yes. What was the time limit? End of March. Of March? Yeah, sure. Wow, quarter of a year. Pretty impressive. Well, it took it took over half a year for the uh, for the Alexandria target to be uh, to be done. Eh, I guess touche on that. <laughs> so, Will. Um, did you vote on any of the cards or prizes? Uh, I actually did not because I spend you know, about four days a week doing nothing but working. But uh, Lab Maniac's interesting. I already have uh, something in mind that's uh, maybe not the most immediately thought of. So maybe I'll, I'll snag some uh, credits on that uh, eBots. eBots. Yeah, um, sounds good. All right, well, we should get back to the daily event because uh, we sidetracked there just to have a quick look at the, the new challenge. 
Um, but the Wild Dog, a uh, member of Clan Magic Eternal, um, took his dredge build to the money as well. Um, pretty similar, less to what he's run previously, but he's jamming a Terastodon in the main deck now. Yeah, I like the Terastodon. Um, slowing down the dredge deck might be the way to go with uh, all of all of the way that the other decks are, you know, trying to hate out dredge. Being a little bit slower and not having Sun Titan might be the way to go. He's also got Noxious Revivals. Yeah, I saw the so, Noxious Revivals there. Has he been running it like this for recently? I hadn't even noticed the, the lack of the Sun Titans. No, this is, I believe, the first event he's moneyed without Sun Titan in his deck in quite a while. Huh. I mean, that's real interesting. I mean, like, the thing is, the Sun Titan gives you, like, that, you know, game one, two-turn win, you know. Yeah, the, but, the the Sun Titan is very comboy, and the Terrasodon is more controlly, especially with the revivals. Yeah, I mean it, the one thing I do notice and and do like about his deck is kind of up to three Icarids, where I think most usually run two. Yeah, like Icarid, Icarid I found is the one thing that gets around like spheres. You know, you, you can sphere lock a dredge player pretty quick, but when they're bringing in Icarids and then letting them die at the end of the turn, they can still overwhelm you with zombies. Yeah, the the extra acre definitely seems good for the uh, workshop matchup. Yeah, so that's interesting though. I, the Terrastodon, that's that's cool. And next up looks like there's a list that's right down Zach's alley, so we'll let Zach lead us into this one. Yeah, here we got the. Uh, this list has been making the rounds lately. It's one of the two Delver decks that are out there. Um, we saw one at four zero, and this is the other. Uh, you know, there's also a green variant, but. This is the, the three-creature package one, which runs, uh, they all run Snapcaster and Delver, but this one chooses to run usually either Tarmo or Dark Confidant, and uh, this one's running Dark Confidant, and is this a four-color version? I mean, it looks it like is a, a, It I, is a four-color version. I see, like, Nature's Claim in there and stuff, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, this this thing's got a lot of, a lot of things going for it. It's real tempo-y, and it's real, um, hate-specific. Some of the cards in there, like Stifles, you know, this is really the only deck I see those in, are, is this specific one, actually, lately. Um, yeah, the sideboard's solid, you know, more Artifact Hate, Graveyard Hate, you know, some Hand Disruption, and uh, more of the previous two, so. Looks like a good deck, and 3-1's always a good uh, good sign of progress, so. Anything to add, guys? Um, of the two Delver decks, I think that this one's inferior to the library version. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, after playing with it, I'm kind of surprised it took six months to win that library challenge because those libraries are such a amazing advantage, even against like this deck against that one. This one has to land the two-drop Dark Confidant, whereas that one has a free Dark Confidant with no drawbacks, really, besides losing a mana a turn. Yep. You, you say that you're surprised that it took the long. How how critical in that deck are the, the Delver and the Snapcaster from Innistrad that we've recently acquired? It's, Can you see a... It's so uh, ridiculous, it's not even, like, um, it's one of the things, like, I was joking around with, like, Scorpio, you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier there, but I'm, I'm like, how do you always get that in your opening seven with no mulligan? He, you know, that's the key. Um, you can't really run Serum Powder, I don't think, in a deck like this, but if you do keep a hand because of library, it needs to be pre-mulligan. After mulligan, it's kind of useless, um, unless you have a gush or you're planning on doing that. That's really the whole reason the gushes are in there is to uh, to turn on the libraries I've found. 
Yeah. Well, you notice this uh, Anoria, who's a clanmate in the uh, you know Lotus Farm. She, uh, he is a, uh, he's not even running Dush. So I mean, that's you know that's pretty substantial difference. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, he has more targeted hate. It's like uh, lightning bolts. I would count that as targeted hate. Uh, Nature's claims. Yeah, yeah. Again, targeted hate. And then I really like surgical, and this is something I was talking to Scorpio about. I, I think surgical extraction, even if it's coming out of the sideboard, is so good with uh, Snapcaster, like as a two mana spell. I mean, you can play pay it with the Phyrexian mana cost. It's it's a ridiculous combo. Even if you like wasteland one of their lands and lock them out of a color, or lock them out of libraries, you know, for that matter. Do you think there's any legitimacy in running something like Unearth in this deck? No. Um, it kind of depends on, if you're talking about something like that, I think that would totally depend on the matchup. If you're playing against another deck like this, and it's, you know, turning into draw-go, and you can exhume, or what what was the card you said? Unearth. Um, unearth. Unearth, that's the one mana one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you, like, unearth a Snapcaster, and uh, you get that unearth right back, and you can unearth one of your other creatures, but it would only be good after, like, you know... Turn eight or turn nine, I think. Well, I think um, something else to consider over on Earth is just reanimate. Uh, you know, reanimate costs you some life, but you can also target your opponent's graveyard, so you can steal their creature. You know, take their Tarmogoy for their you know worm coil engine or whatever it may be. That might be something worth considering. Yeah, I, I like reanimate a lot better than on Earth. Reanimate your mage and then reanimate whatever you had to counterspell of theirs. Sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, reanimate sounds pretty sweet. Um, is, is that basically, like, for oath targets, or are you just planning on a lot of fish matchups? Well, I, I don't think you really get any oath targets, because your two main oath targets, unless you're talking Laboratory Maniac, of course, you know, are shuffle themselves back in anyway. And on top of that, they cost a million mana, so you'll kill yourself. Yeah, yeah reanimating Emrakul would sting. I channel an Emrakul all day long. <laughs> That's true. Hey, you know, for what it's worth, this deck actually could do it because um, he's got the stifles. So, like, if you if an Emrakul hit the graveyard, you could theoretically stifle it and reanimate it. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, bringing us into the Maniac with a uh, junk deck, black, white, green, hate. Um... So this looks a lot like Doranox and Osric 250's deck, except he has Worldly Tutors. Yeah, the Worldly Tutors seem like a legitimate um, way forward with all those one-offs in the deck as well. The Fiend Hunter, the Knight of the Reliquary, and the True Believer. And and the Gadok Teague. Make sure you get the Gadok Teague against uh, oh, yeah. blue combo-y decks. Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, it's got a couple tricks on it, but it is the... It has kind of a generic feel to it, like green-white creatures, boom, 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 all of them do something, and a little bit of black splashed in. Um, looks like a good deck, though. I mean, it's definitely something that's going to compete. It's been shown to compete in, like, a stacks metagame creature deck like this, so looks like the Maniac did well with it. Yeah, like, this This is a, a hard deck to play. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, is only one Knight of the Reliquary seems pretty slim. Like, it, Knight of the Reliquary is, you know... It's the scariest win condition that this deck has, really, in shops. And uh, I really expect to see more of those. Yeah, I would probably cut a Kataki or two to the sideboard for more Reliquary action. 
Because he does have the worldly tutors. Yeah, exactly. You can go to more singleton for those, for things like the Kataki and maybe the Gattatig, you know, where you don't want to draw multiples of never unless you're getting them killed. Yeah. You know, another another thing you could say about uh, Knight of the Reliquary and, and, a, and a reason you could run it really easily in a deck like this is Worldly Tutor also fetches uh, Elvish Spirit Guide. So at the cost of a little bit of card disadvantage, you can do a turn two um, uh, Knight pretty easily. I mean, pr- uh, pretty consistently if you think about it. Uh, if that's, you know, your primary threat and you want to get it out, you could definitely do some do some cool things with the ramp there. Yeah, I just noticed he's not running Birds of Paradise or Noble Hierarch in there. So, I mean, that would be your only way to a, to a turn two knight. Yeah, I would I would rather have three birds than three spirit guides myself. Uh, I think I'd agree, but at that rate, if I'm playing Worldly Tutor, I would probably rather have spirit guides than birds. Just because well, of that. he he has black mana. I would be playing Vampiric Seal and Demonic. Where how much black is he running? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He he barely runs any black, dude. He's running marsh it's, flats and and two scrub scrublands. I mean, it's, he, I guess it's consistent, but he has a lot of lands like Razor Venge, Thicket, and Horizon Canopy and Caracas. Yeah, the the black is definitely only there for dark confidants, and then a diabolic edict in the sideboard. Yeah. All right, so Whiffy, who's this next guy? This is me playing a slightly different uh, Excorpio for library deck. Very cool. And how did you like it? Uh, the deck is stupid good. Um, if anyone watched the Penguin TVs that are going to be going up a few days before this YSO, round three, I have three libraries going at once, and it is just silly. Oh. So you actually came pretty close to doing the library challenge as well that week. I came really close. I, I did money. What did you lose to? Uh, I lost to the four-color Delver deck in round one. And oh. I, I beat the four-color Delver deck in round two. Yeah, those lightning bolts are tough, huh? Yeah, the lightning, uh, the lightning bolts were really good. I don't think I don't think I got the libraries going in round one. But it's been a while since I played the the event. Um, one thing you'll notice is I put the Vampire Tutor in the main deck. Yeah, it makes sense. I can uh, respect I, that. Over the what did you take the Steel Sabotage out? I took out a Dismember for it. Oh, he's running three Dismembers, is he? Well, he was he was running three Dismembers in the event that I copied this decklist from. Oh, yeah. I, a lot of the t- stuff he's been practicing. You know, apologies, Scorpio, if I'm giving away your tech here, buddy. But a lot of the stuff he's been he's been running with me in, in tournament practice when we're like going up against each other. He's got some strange stuff he experiments <laughs> with. Like I've seen uh, lately, I've seen a Mox Diamond. I've seen a Sensei's Divining Top. I've seen a. Uh, uh, I think I saw in the event today. I saw some Dark Confidants. Uh, he's definitely changing it up. He's not just standing pat with the same deck. Um, well, he has a new challenge now, Laboratory Maniac, and that kind of deck seems like it's right up Excorpio's alley. Agreed, agreed. So what what about this deck scared you? I mean, what were the things that you noticed in the event that just, you know, this didn't have a great answer for? Uh, creature removal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I took out a dismember, and that may have been wrong, but... 
I don't know. The Just the inability to remove things is kind of scary. Yeah, I, w- I was trying to... Through broken English and broken translate, Google translated Spanish, I was trying to explain to him that it really bothered me that the deck has zero outs pre or post board to a resolved oath. And yeah, with the druids is terrible. And everyone's like, oh yeah, but it shouldn't resolve. And I, I just want to say, yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter what it should or shouldn't do. It doesn't have, it doesn't have 30 counter spells. It has like, you know, 16. I, I don't know exactly how many, but. And I the lab the lab maniac deck that I have has twenty counter spells and oath of druids still resolves. Yeah, yeah I, much I count do. eleven that you can actually target an oath with in your list. I mean that's you know you should have one, but you know how many force of wills does he have? Yeah, yeah, you know how many force of wills and how many mental missteps for my annuls and spell snare? Or hell, I still you know I've been running the show lately, and I still run discard too. On top of that, so you can always kind of pick apart some of the almost whatever disc or uh, counter magic there is. There's a way around it. It's just how patient are you? Yep, definitely. So uh, that was the one and only event of the week. Hopefully. Hopefully, going forward, that won't be the case. I hope uh, to see many, many events per week. Agreed. Agreed. So many, in fact, that we can't even go over them in the podcast. And why would that be? Uh, Because it's wintertime. And apparently, wintertime is classic time, guys. That's awesome. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting bit of news. Yeah, so we... so for anyone who does not know, and I say shame at you for not knowing, um, Wizards of the Coast has announced that from December 21st to January 4th, there will be a lot of classic daily events, hopefully a lot of classic premiere events. I don't know if there's just going to be one. I'm hoping that there's like seven. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be classic eight-mans. And all of these events will give you a textless full art ponder if you enter them, and a foil one if you manage to win or 4-0 or top 8, depending on the match that you are joining. As well as, like, I don't know, it feels like 75 different draft formats are going to be available, too. Yeah, and one of the things everybody always complains about, and it's legitimate, but it's also like, how much do you really want to complain about it sucks that this is happening while they're providing all these other events because this would be like the one thing everybody would be focusing on. But even classic players, they look around and they're like, oh, there's, this is hard. There's Tempest Draft and Classic Daily Events. What are we going to do? But uh, well, I'll tell you guys, if you have the chance to join a Classic event or join a Tempest whatever draft, I implore you, you have the cards. Join Classic. Let's get this thing firing. You know, another, another thing to think about, too, with these, these ponders, two two small things that I'll go over real quick. Number one, it has been spoken a lot about why ponder. You know, why are they paying so much attention to classic why ponder? And, you know, a, a lot of people were doing some very, you know, far away speculating that, wow, you know, this would be a great promo if Vintage came online, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the other thing to think about is, let's say, for instance... Not a lot of classic events fire. That would be the worst case scenario. Let's say seven events fired in the whole time, right? 
Right. There would only be 56 normal versions of this card in the client. And if you have any experience on promos, it's worth it to get in there and get one and see what happens. I mean, yeah, the, the last time there was a promo like this was for Modern Celebration with Lightning Bolts. And I saw foil Lightning Bolts going as high as $50 on the secondary market. Yep. Oh, jeez. The other thing we should talk about is the price for the championship. Oh, yeah, the the reason to join these events in the first place. I mean, Ponder's great, but you're not paying six tickets for a promo Ponder. You're paying six tickets for a chance at four foil anything. Mountain goats. Four <laughs> foil mountain goats. That's right. Yeah, all four right. foil, four will. <laughs> would, it be pro, would it be four will or promo foil yog will? I don't uh, think you can't have promo. promos. Oh. Yeah. There's no promos. Um, goat, if you win and you do not pick four foil mountain goats, you are banned <laughs> from classic. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think mountain goat is eligible since it is uh, one of the egregiously left out of the Magic Online. Cards. Oh, what a loophole for you! It's like the ten, you know, it's it's the real ninth card in the Power Nine. So. So if you manage to go 4-0 in a daily event, or if you manage to top 8 a classic premiere event, you get an invitation into the Winter Celebration Championships. Um, and as we said, first place is four foil cards of your choice in the classic format. Second place is one foil and one regular. Third and fourth are one foil, and then fifth through eighth are one regular. On top of the Mercadian Masks boosters, you win too. So yeah. um, first place is over, it's roughly over $1,200 in prizes for first place. That's pretty ridiculous. I mean, I don't, is that unprecedented outside of these trips that they're giving away? Um, I think that this pays out more than a PTQ does. What's insane as well is the number of invites that are going to be laid out. This isn't going to be a hugely popular tournament. Well, I mean, it might be popular, but there's not going to be that many people that are going to be able to qualify for it. Yeah, well, I expect I expect less than half in the Winter Championship than there were in the Modern Championship. Well, wait, wait, wait. Now, Andy, you just you just put yourself in a hole here. Now you got to guesstimate how many people there are going to be since you said that. How many people are going to be in this event, bro? Well, it depends how many premier events and how many daily events fire. But if you're only putting the person who goes 4-0 in, it's it's what? How long's the time frame? Is it? It's from the twenty fourth to the fourth, right? So we're looking at ten days. Twenty first so to the fourth or twenty fourth? Twenty first. First. Okay. It's so two weeks. Two and weeks. there's there's no downtime in the middle. So let's let's say that we're really fortunate and we fire two classic daily events per day. Okay. Twenty eight. Okay. Wait, and wait. let's say that you guys are, say, you guys are forgetting that if we have seventeen players, that's two four O's. If we have 19 or 20 players, that's three or four four O's. Okay, that's that's a very valid point. Um, it, it is not just one person per daily event. As long as we can get more than 16 players in there, we can get multiple people queuing what? up for every daily event. Wait, wait, wait. You know, I don't think if it's 19 or 20 people, there will be three or four four zeros. There might be two still. Uh, it's got to be per 16 people, bro. Isn't it? Mathematically? I don't... I don't know. Let's see. If you have if you have twenty people, ten people are going to be two O, then five or 
Or five people will be three zero. Yeah, that's two. And then you'll have you'll have three. You could have three four zeros with a twenty person event. If someone gets paired down, but it's way someone, more likely that you get two two zeros or two four. No, well, someone has to get paired down if there are five three zeros. Anyway, regardless, I I think there's going to be less than sort of seventy five people queuing up for the championship. Wow. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be bigger than that. Um. We have to work, though, guys. We have to work on getting these people into the queues. Wait, 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 wait. I, I don't know if it'll be more, because you have to... Um, people aren't going to be... Do you think people are going to be dissuaded to play if they win one? They'll join the next... If it's a classic enthusiast, they'll join events. You don't get multiple invites based on multiple wins. But if, let's just okay. say, George and Scorpio won a lot of these events, there would not be as many invites, would there? Well, see, here's the thing. About me personally... The moment I win one, I will concede to the finals every time I make it so that more people can join the event. That wouldn't be very wise. Why would that not be wise? Because you want to skew people as possible for the best possible odds. Are you serious? Or I want more people joining Classic and enjoying it and staying in the format. Uh, Okay, I mean, you signed yourself up for that. I hope you don't let somebody in who knocks you out in the championship. Well, I mean, that would be unfortunate, but whatever. I want I want people in these events. And, you know, Ponder is a good legacy card, too. We could get we could get the legacy players coming out of the woodworks for, for these Ponders. You know, I'm going to kind of disagree with that. I think Ponder's a really shite primo. All right. Hey, but, Yogmoth Soap Opera viewers, we wanted to apologize for Andy's egregious <laughs> use of the word shite. <laughs> We do apologize, and we will not be that unprofessional in the future. Sorry. Oh, Anybody man. who looks up a British English to English dictionary is going to be really disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but come on. I mean, there are so many better options that they could have had there rather than the, 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 the ponder, in my opinion. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Well, and, in fact, I may even I may have even gotten onto drafting with a hick saying just as much as you did. The thing is, the force of your will with that statement is just unbelievable. That's what it should have been. Uh, force of will? Can yeah. you imagine how many people would be joining these if they could buy a $6 force of will? Dude, it, like, and honestly, it's not going to be the old art. You guys, all everyone here has four force of will, correct? Yep. Yeah. All right. Would you really be mad if they made a promo force of will and got more people interested in the format? Not even a little. We'd love it. No, I'd probably get no, a promo. At this point, it's, you know, the money is long spent, and, and I've gotten my enjoyment out of the cards, you know, regardless. So, I mean, if it got more people interested in playing the Eternal formats, specifically the, the good Eternal format, you know, that'd be good. I mean, I, I'm on an interesting axis. I bought my Force of Wills for 17 tickets. Um, <laughs> they have paid for themselves a thousand times over. I think that has to be the ninth time you've mentioned that on this series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it pays It pays to get in on the ground floor of things. I bet you all the people who picked up Modern before it was announced are saying the same thing. I got Dark Confidants for two tickets. I got whatever is the expensive Modern card for four tickets. I got Burning Willow for 16 tickets. It's now worth four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a little caveat about Modern. You had to have gotten in ahead of time and then bailed out before it flopped and pick the right cards because a lot of people if you guys remember were investing in blue cards like jace yeah <laughs> that didn't work out so well yeah 
<laughs> well, no, because Jace, well, I guess if it was before even the Community Cup was announced, but Jace was, Jace was banned in the Community Cup, too. Oh, no, 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 we, yeah. we know that, but what we're saying is for the format, a lot of people in anticipation of the format, we're saying, wow, that's a modern frame card and easily the best one. That's, that's yeah. true. There was also the chatter about overextended at the same time, too, so. Yeah, there were some results yeah. being put up with Jace's. <laughs> yeah. Not unsurprising. He's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, everybody, come out to these events. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's, let's show Wizards of the Coast that we love it and we want more. Maybe we can keep our eight-mans for the rest of the year. Because yeah. we used that to have be... eight-mans as a permanent fixture in the events. This is... There, yeah, there's... I... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, I was, I didn't even think about it, that, that there weren't eight-mans. Like, we, Sunday night, we almost fired the daily event. And it was just so frustrating to have 15 people, you know, oh, well, I guess nothing now, you know, and we could have just gone and fired off an eight-man or two. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be cool to get that opportunity. And before we move past it, I want to put, did you guys notice the hilariousness of the quote on the Magic Online Winter Celebration? Stay indoors and celebrate the holidays. Stay indoors and celebrate the holidays with Magic Online, with no pants. <laughs> So, yeah, it looks really cool, and it's something that, uh, you know, the classic community, I think we're a small but passionate group, and I think we deserve something like this, and hopefully it'll get some of the people more involved in it, and they can come out here and see how fun it is. It's not the degenerate turn one wins. Hell, you know, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, I don't even know. I don't even want to quote, because it'll be wrong, but somebody was watching me in tournament practice room, and I was trying out that Delver deck. And I played against this uh, the standard deck. It's like the most annoying thing you guys know when you're playing oh, tournament man. practice in a standard deck. Ugh. But a lot I of people were watching, and to not be a excuse my French, but a dick, I did. I just decided that. Uh, uh, we I want to excuse Zach <laughs> for slipping a dick into the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I decided that it would probably be smarter to go ahead and just play the game. And I, dude, I got my butt kicked. He got he resolved that stupid red shrine. <laughs> What can you do against oh, no. the resolved red run <laughs> with that Delver deck? I mean, there's nothing you can do. But I played it out, and hopefully, you know, some of those people who were watching, like, understand, if this deck can secede and it doesn't have anything to blow out a red deck, maybe there's a possibility that my favorite deck might be viable. Heck yeah. So my bulldog just farted, and it's uh, <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah. On so, going back to the Force of Will, I mean, like, they could have easily have made, like, top 32 of the championship got a Force of Will. Heck, why even, why even go there? How about, how about if you make it to the championship, your promo is Force of Will instead of Ponder? How do you guys know they haven't planned that? Maybe they have. Maybe, maybe it's going to be maybe a Maybe there will be a participation card. Or the best, like, I got to admit, because I'm greedy and I, I say things like I don't mind if everyone gets a Force of Will, but my number one thing would be this. Since I have mine, it would be awesome if you got a choice between the $6 Force of Will and, and you know, like, let's say they distributed X. They told you how many they were going to distribute or whatever. But you could also get a Force of Will Avatar. That would be legit. Oh, Force of Will Avatar would be nifty. With the old art, of course, not that crappy new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the the only thing I have to say about it might they might still give out force of wills. If that were the case, they would want to advertise that to get people in these queues. 
I don't know. I think that that would be kind of walking a happy medium there by not. I guess the people who would be the loudest uh, naysayers, if that were to happen, it would make them a little bit happier to know that they weren't tooting the trumpet and getting more and more and more and more and more into the system, and there was a limited amount. Yeah, but also, if they had announced that they were giving away force of wills, everyone would have an opportunity to sell theirs. If they just say, hey, by the way, congratulations for making it to the invite, uh, into the tournament. When it ends, you get a force of will. Everyone that would have been mad will definitely be pissed because they couldn't sell their force of wills. Wait, 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 wait. Do you think they would really sell their force of wills if everyone just got one and it was a 75-person event? Think about Promo Wasteland, for example. There are not that many out there, and their total playsets, there just would not be that many. Yeah, I guess you're right there. The The promo Wastelands did not drop the price of Wasteland, like, at all. And we all kind of thought they would, right? I did. It was kind of odd, because the price, like, went up. Yeah, it's, it was like dueling <coughs> to see who could go higher. Anyway... We should uh, we should take some time to talk to our guest um, and and see what he's making of the current environment and get him to uh, to tell us a little bit about the power of welder. Yeah, um, you know it's I've been playing I've been playing classic for I don't know six seven months now, and uh, it's very interesting to see the way that it's you know it evolves over time, and uh, yeah the Innistrad has changed it a ton. Uh, these these thinking. Delver decks popping up everywhere drive me nuts. Um, you know, like, you play a game, like, and you're like, turn one sphere, and your opponent says, oh, that's fine, just because they're just going to drop, make another land drop, and just keep playing, you know, oh, I had my Delver out, so I'm just going to keep hitting you for three a turn, and, you know, leave my mana up to, to pay for the sphere so I can force a will something that actually wins. Yeah, and how, um, how many flyers do you have in your deck? Uh, exactly... <laughs> zero <laughs> as it is um yeah i mean that, like that's rough like i i don't have a lot of outs to a resolved delver you know other than racing you know and, and if a better skull or worm coil engine hits the table then it's all right but they run you know so much uh back you know counter backup and end of nulls and steel sabotage and um you know it, it's really hard like their tempo just works really well against you know my strategy um, I had to, to buy one, two main deck triskelions today, you know, and, uh, I think I want more, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's a, a tough turn in the, uh, in the metagame really. So what do you, what do you think about duplicates? Have those just gone, gone away? Oh, they're definitely not away. I still have three in my sideboard, and they I still do. They not get the flying uh, from the Delver. Yeah. No, it, it's the the duplicate doesn't become a copy of the creature. It's it's on a card that it, it gains its power and toughness. Ah, boo. Yeah, so you just you get a three-two ground pounder. Um, now today I did happen to duplicate a Tarmogoyf, and when you gain the power and toughness of something that's set by a characteristic defining ability you you get the ability so i actually had a tarmogoyf in play which is kind of cool <laughs> that is um cool. uh like it's six mana you know it's it's not the best most efficient answer well yeah um, the only reason i brought it up was because you said triskelion and i think that's the same yeah yeah and i mean but triskelion obviously has the same problem too uh there, there's not a lot of good 
sideboard creature types that that are cheap. I what, mean, like what about the uh, Mastercore that was popular for a while? Yeah, and, and that's something I've definitely thought about. Um, you know, Racer Made Mastercore could definitely be something that would uh, could see some play. And you could ditch it um, with the welder if it became annoying. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of other uh, things that are nice too. Like it works its way around Null Rod. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Um, it, it works around um, Phyrexian Revokers and kills them even. So uh, that's definitely a, a consideration. Um, yeah, like, it's as it is, like, duplicates always been the answer to Oath. But, like, if they just, you know, Oath in a creature with a dragon's breath or, God forbid, a laboratory maniac and, you know, then draw a card that they don't have, <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it becomes irrelevant. You know, like sorcery speed creature, you know, it, it's really good at times. It's good at the mirror match, but, you know, it's definitely one of the the cards I think that's kind of fallen out of favor. Um, have you tried the replacement uh, in Witchbane Orb? Uh, I do. I I think um, I've been between two and three Witchbane Orbs. Uh, to be honest, I haven't played Oath in a while. Yeah. Uh, I was. I've noticed that Oath has been really down in the events. Yeah, and uh, and it's still scary. Like to me, like uh, especially at least up until the Delvers, like Oath was the one matchup I was really concerned about because they could sometimes just you know force through an Oath through the spheres, and then you're you know you're screwed. Um, but it's uh, it's way way down. And, and that's kind of surprised me a little bit because uh, it's such a powerful strategy. Uh, I guess the benefit of Oath being down is that the players who do play Oath, like um, Montolio today, go up against less and less Oath hate. You know, I die a little bit inside when you call Montolio an Oath player. I'm just saying. Well, he played Oath today. He definitely. <laughs> I know. He definitely did instead of playing his Tangle Wires. I'm sure know, Montolio is going to listen to this, and Montolio was convinced thoroughly yesterday about Oath. He was bringing stacks, and it was just getting uh, Tangle Wire stacks. And he was saying, he's like, I will find a way to. He, he actually ended up playing good game Oath, but I was playing against <laughs> him with, uh, with Shoth, and he's like, I'm going to get that POS deck. And he kept saying it, and he finally had to go to dinner. But then I noticed today he was playing it, and I was cracking up. I was like, oh, I didn't get it. He decided to run it. <laughs> but, uh, like, Tanglewire, you know, I know you guys talked a lot about it, and it's it's on the market. I've played against it a couple times, and it is just, like, it's not really good right now. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've built one Tanglewire deck and played exactly one match against Dredge where I got my uh, face stomped in. Yeah. But uh, Monty, Monty was saying that Tanglewire is doing some really good things for him. Yeah, like, but... I, you know, there's there's going to be times when it's great, but there are matchups where it's just irrelevant. Like, it's it's bad against Oath, you know? Uh, I tap my lands, but here comes Emrakul. Yeah, you know? and, and not only that, like, I, I just think I, I'm the same way. I totally was, like, really worried about it, and... Uh... Who's to say it's not going to be amazing? But as of yet, it hadn't made a huge splash, at least in my eyes. And, and one of the things I've noticed playing against it in TP is uh, it's really win more. Like, okay, it's great. Early game, you can stop them for a turn or two. But if you don't have that and a win condition, the effectiveness is almost none because it's going to go away and it gets worse every turn. And yeah. 
this is what I was talking about a week or two ago when I said that it was going to take a while for people to figure out the right tangle wire decks. Well, it, like, and there's a couple things too. Like, you, you got to remember, like, tangle wire is not a, you know, especially in in classic, it's not a turn one or even a turn two play. It's just you you whiff on, you know, you want to be maximizing your opponent's targets. Um, and without, I think without it's actually a, I think it's actually a really good turn two play. And let's okay, you, I mean. It lets you lock them out of mana so that you can resolve your turn three bombs. Uh, it, it could be, it could be, a, yeah, and I haven't played with it at all yet. I haven't ponied up the money to, to buy them. Like, it, it could be good on turn two, but, like, even then, like, if all you're tapping is, you know, a land, I mean, that kind of stings a little bit. You know, um, like, oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. But well, if you go turn one spear, turn two tangle wire, then your turn three spell is resolving. No, 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 no. It's, uh, th- that's what I was going to ask you, dude. No, it's not. That, that's why I'm, I was getting ready to interject and ask you why you think it's a good Yeah, because you're tapping your own lands when it you, comes back to your You're turn. not going to use your, fag, your, your workshop and your thing and whatever else. And the next turn, if you played another land, you're still only going to have one land, maybe the factor or the workshop the next turn. It's not a good turn to play. It's when I say it's win more, it's only good when you have a win condition out there and you have more than enough resources. Like you have a, a chalice, uh, a tangle wire, and a sphere. It's great. If you don't have those things, it sucks. I definitely see your point there. Um, maybe the reason I think it's an all right turn to play is because I'm also running a uh, four smokestacks in the build that I made. Four, well, like, well I, even then, how could you play it? Well, I, I'm playing with uh, two Mox Opals as well, and I, I granted, you're correct. It's going to be hard to get four or five mana on turn three if you're tapping down your own uh, mana sources. Yeah, well, Smokestack well, is the natural fit with Tanglewire. Well, it, and that's something else. Like, you know, one of the things everyone kind of saw Tanglewire from one side was, oh, none of the blue players will have Moxes the tangle wire activations but as the stacks player you don't have moxes to eat up your own activations and keep you pressing advantage that the tangle wire is giving you well um, that's not entirely true you don't have five moxes and a black lotus but you definitely have access to four mox opals if that's what you want to do you don't uh yeah but you don't because you only have access to one you only have access to one in play at a time that that's yeah. true now you know the, the other thing about it too is is the fact and this is another aspect of it I've never, you know, really approached it on because I hadn't played against it before this week. But the other thing about it is it's just not a very good play a lot of the time because usually with with stacks you're doing one of two things. You're putting down a sphere that has an immediate effect or you're putting down a win condition that's going to start winning you the game the next turn, right? Now what this right. does is this taps you out, puts down something that doesn't immediately stop them and it only works starting on their upkeep. So like what's happened to me repeatedly this week, just so you know, I've been playing with uh, Shoth, uh, Snake City Vaults, and uh, Delver decks. And in each one of those matchups, um, having the end of turn Hercules Recall or Nature's Claim ripped their butt open. I mean, the, the Tangle Wire didn't do anything, and I got rid of it. It's like Time Walk. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, something else to consider is, you know, uh, yeah, Vintage went away from Tangle Wire. You know, it was very heavy Tangle Wire, and then went, you know, very heavy Slash Panther. You know, they, you know, despite the advantage that could be gained from like a turn one couple of Moxes Tangle, you know, Tangle Wire Chalice at zero, like 
even vintage kind of has gone away from that. Which, which is a, a definitely a telling point, but a lot, you've been in the format long enough to know that new toys are new toys and people want to play with oh. them. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I'd still like to, to get a set, but, you know, and, and play with them. But, you know, I just wasn't quite the, the doom and gloom that, uh, you know, some people that don't like shops were uh, proclaiming earlier. Yeah, it is definitely, definitely not as bad as we've been saying on the podcast for like the last three months. <laughs> you, you know I'm what ready. that card might be amazing with would be... The, Stasis. No. <laughs> stop yeah. it. Oh, you stop it. Uh, the deck... Stasis and Gush and Tangle Wire. That's it. That's the deck. No, George, the deck you ran today. Oh, the Affinity deck? Yeah, because it has tons of targets, vomits crap on the table, makes new tokens... And it's more efficient lockout piece after turn three, and that deck's already established after turn two. You know that is that is a great point. Maybe I need to tweak around the especially with the token producing thing. Oh yeah, the Genesis Chamber. Because you not only you get that out turn two and do this turn three, you not only get that uh, tangle wire out. You can tap the chamber and tap the token that it made. Yep. Yeah, that's actually uh, pretty interesting. And uh, Affinity, I mean, I, I played it last week or a week or two ago, whatever, on YSL. I played it this week again. The videos will be up. The deck is disgusting fast. I know Andy, I think Andy watched a replay of round one today, and it was it was silly. I just ran right over a Kataki Wars Wage on turn three both games. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty impressive to run over the, you know, you untapped and managed to keep enough out. Well, I guess you piled everything on a Ravager, huh? Uh, well, in game one, I both of my both of my opening draws were just insane. Um, and in game one, he went Aether Vial turn one, Kataki's Wars Wage at the uh, during his turn two or turn three. I'm sorry. And then mm -hmm. I had some mana. I think I had Ancient Tomb and a Mox Opal, and I just kept my creatures alive and attacked him until he was dead the next turn. And then in game three, I again I had like seventeen man out on turn one, so it didn't re even really matter. So, Will, I, I got a question for you, Bud. How does one turn to the dark side and start running things like stacks on the reg? Well, okay. I I'm a blue player at heart. I love blue. You know, they even named the best card one of the best cards ever printed after me. You know, I <laughs> I love blue. Um. And uh, I just, I can't wrap my head, I can't, I haven't been able to succeed with it at all in Classic. Um, and uh, I don't know, like playing, I started playing the, uh, like the Panther builds and was like, ooh, this wins. So, uh, yeah, and it wasn't, it was a little too, uh, you know, like, I'm not saying it's an easy build to play, but it was a little less uh, uh, decision oriented than like a stacks build so i started uh tweaking towards the welder and the metal worker um actually for a while i was using forge master even um but that was a little a little too clunky i miss but the forge master decks i i tell you i feel like i make i i make more decision like have more decision trees going playing with welder and metal worker and stuff like that than i do playing a lot of blue decks the, yeah. only, the only thing I'll say about that, and the reason I will 
never be able to agree with that is because blue has the single card, hardest card to play in Magic, and every deck runs four of it. And that card, oh, yeah. Brainstorm, is the hardest card Absolutely. in the game to play correctly. But at the same rate, like where um, I have Batter Skulls and Triskelions and a Staff of Domination, Metalworker Loop, and I can win with Spheres and Golems, whatever. Like when you play blue, all your decisions, you know, branch out every which way, but they all have to merge back at Cast Tinker, Find Blightsteel. You know, um, like the the end game is just always the same. Well, I would have to disagree vehemently with you in the last two months, as Tinker Blightsteel has been barely anywhere. Less, you know, and you know, at the same rate, I'm. I guess I should. I'm a blue control player. I, oh, this Delver stuff just drives me bonkers. Well, what about what about the standstill lists that aren't running Tinker? You know, I, I do like standstill. And and it's definitely an interesting, you know, uh, an interesting build, and I'm I'm glad to have seen it succeed. Um, and and that's definitely got its uh, its merit to it, and and I think it could even be developed a little further too. Um, yeah, it, it is funny that Tinker has kind of fallen off, but I was just always drawn to the the power level of you know when on turn two, you know. Island, Bandicrypt, Tinker, you know, kind of thing. I, you know, it's shiny. Yeah, you know, but. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I've been uh, really shocked at is the, the prices of some of the Macadian mask cards, specifically the foils. F.U. Richie was saying that their foil days was 20 tickets and uh, was really amazed of foil, uh, foil days could go for so much. Yeah, F.U. Richie's been blowing everything up about the prices. We don't really know what any cards are worth because we got a lot of guys like F.U. Richie going back and forth saying things are worth more than they are when they don't own any. Um, another interesting thing is that, you know, F.U. Richie has, wants these foil cards, but he's not willing to pay what the sellers are asking for. We should say who Richie is, actually, because our, our audience probably don't know. Oh, uh, I Richie, think the audience knows. <laughs> Richie, <laughs> Richie is uh, Goblin's Lackey is Blue on the Classic Quarter, and uh, he's a bit like your funny uncle. So we refer to him affectionately here on the cast as Funny Uncle Richie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he is quite funny. If you've ever had a conversation with him that lasts more than two sentences, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> Man, that 20 tickets for a foil days. Well, Ugh. and you know what? Yeah, and, and um, we're paying. Yes, it's insane. And full tangle wires, 200 plus. Uh, so is, well, so is Richard and Port. And Richard and Port doesn't go in any decks at all. It goes in legacy decks. That, goes that haven't, goblins and lands haven't been a real deck in like almost a year. Now, wait, wait, wait. Hey. Lands hey, hasn't I, been able to be a real deck because it hasn't had points. Oh, I'm talking I'm talking about legacy paper. Oh, all right, fine. You know, for what it's worth, I actually lost. I lost game one to a forty three land deck in tourney practice this week, and then uh I sideboarded in all my Tormont scripts and Leyline of the Voids and wrecked them twice. But like it that's even feasible. Well, I mean, as we heard, Zach got beat by a standard deck, so anything can happen. Yeah, I was having that moment, too. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose to a land deck. And I sit there looking at my sideboard, and I'm like, what do I even do? But his, yeah, 
that like he was running treetop villages, which wouldn't have been that bad anyway. He was just running the barbarian ring. So I'm like, well, I got late lines and Tormod scripts. This seems weird, but go for it. Well, <laughs> and, uh, I have a real propensity to always be running the kinds of decks that will be just smashed by inferior formats. I, I, I don't <laughs> really know how to explain it, but if I'm playing an inferior format deck, I'm not running Tinker. I'm not running... Vault key. I'm running something stupid like a Thresh variant, and it just doesn't work well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the, you know, you build a lot of decks to to cope with our metagame, and when you get something that you know, you know, if it were designed for our for our, you know, format, it would just be a rogue deck, but instead it's some you know standard deck. Yeah, why can't uh, I be running Storm? Uh, because of workshops. I mean, yeah. it's... Because people like me exist. It's just, it's, it, it would, in a way, it's really good that, you know, I don't have these decks <laughs> that are just going to smash his face, because then that would do nothing to dispel the notion that Classic is just an overpowered barbaric format that rips your throat out on turn two. You know what? I miss my Lion's Eye Diamond. I miss stomping on people's faces on turn one. You know what? There's a guy on the cast that you should, uh turn your attention to because it's not my fault. I like <laughs> No, I mean, I miss actually owning them. I sold them when they were 50. I thought I made a profit. I bought them at 17. Oh, no. you, bought, you bought them at 17? You bought them at 17. Yeah. A long time ago. They paid for them like 100 times over. Only 100? 200. George's Fossil Wheels are paid 1,000 times over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I doubt, I doubt. A, that you even had them for 17, and B, that they won you any amount of money. I heart you, Whiffy. You know what, guys? I, I really fear for next week's podcast. <laughs> the, the month of December has just seen the podcast get more and more crazy. <laughs> Where will it end? Oh. I think this is probably a good place to end this, uh, this, this episode, actually. I kind of agree, since time is running out for me. No, I'm not dying, but work has to call. <laughs> Yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, so we should. <laughs> <laughs> We've got so many things to thank this week. We should thank uh, PureMTJ. E we should, yeah, we should thank Ebots for sponsoring the challenge. We should, we should thank Will for coming on and talking about Welder Shop. We should thank PureMTGO for hosting us and MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us. We should thank the community for voting on the, the new challenge. We should thank Scorpio for completing the library challenge. Oh, I don't know who what else about, to thank, What about Wizards for Uncle the Richie. classic month? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll thank good old fun Uncle Richie as well. <laughs> and uh, Wizards of the Coast for running this great classic month thingy thing that's going on right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, and oh, you know what? I, I'll say thanks to Danger Lento for running the Player of the Year, because right now I'm in second, and that's good for me. Oh yeah, and I want to thank Danger Lento for saying the match between me and Scorpio was the ugliest thing he's ever seen in his life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just thank you guys for having me on here. It's been uh, been fun, and uh, appreciate you guys for having me. Hooray. Good deal. Well, Good thanks stuff. for being on, and I apologize for my hour of technical <coughs> difficulties before the podcast, and uh, <laughs> these guys have saintly patience, all you listeners out there, so see you guys next week. Bye. Yeah. And if, if anyone else from the, from the second best uh, Classic Clan wants to come and join <laughs> us, uh, 
We're, we're always free to welcome more farmers onto the cast. Definitely. Yeah, you can have Montolio back. <laughs> oh, oh, we've already got Montolio. He's ours. <laughs> I think you meet the cast. All right, guys. See ya. See you soon. Okay. Bye.